The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 10, Star Trek Series Pen Pals Memo, October 5th, 1988. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, all you Star Trek fans. Hey, you Star Trek history fans. Even you canonistas, you're going to love this one today. I dare say even you tech heads are going to love it. <laughs> all truckophiles spelled with an F. We're going to welcome back Hannah Louise Shearer, who's been a guest recently, and we're going to talk more about her time early on in the series, the ups and downs on The Next Generation, that crazy chaos on the bridge time. So you know the routine, and if you don't, our document of the week is right over there at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Here's an audio sample of the document, but you want to come right back to join myself and Hannah. To Dirk Vanderbund from Maurice Hurley. We are exercising our right to cut off the Hannah Louise Shearer story, Pen Pals, and not go forward into teleplay. FYI, Pen Pals will be reassigned. Well, Trekophile spelled with an F, it's not always that we start off with essentially a firing memo. <laughs> Although, when you're an actor, when you're a writer, those kind of things are a par for the course. They, they come and they go. Uh, and it's a sign of the, the not staff person, the not regular. And if you remember, we've got Hannah Louise Shearer back with us. Hannah, it's uh, good to see you again. Good to see you. Yes, Hannah Louise Shearer, the veteran of many series in the, in the uh, 80s into the 90s around Hollywood. And of course, the next generation at a crazy pivotal time, the first season and into the second. Uh, this is a second season episode. But Hannah, I look, we, we talked about your entree to the show, pitching... Having having the uh, the undetailed pitch is the one they wanted, and then doing such a great job on the script that they have you come on staff. And basically, I suppose the second half of the first season, uh, and and then we look at IMDb. We don't see you after that, but we see a couple of credits, and this is from one of them. So I get the idea, especially at that time of Star Trek and the Next Generation, that you were on staff, and then you. We're not on staff, and you had some some credits in between there. Can let's let's talk about that journey. And you're not alone. Happened to many others. Oh, I know. And it happened off and on, I guess. And you're always writing as a freelancer. You're always writing and hoping to be invited on. And then, of course, you hope you stick. So, what was that arc like? You you sell and and uh, to pitch to Dorothy, she's gone. Jean buys your first, which became when the bow breaks. And you had a couple more uh, credits even before this first season. What what was the rest of the first season like? It was um, chaotic. It I was doing a lot of rewriting uh, mm -hmm. on. I don't remember coming of age. Which and... which is par for the course when you're on staff. Yeah, you, you, people right. people judge it by the credits, and a lot of times you're doing a lot more work than what. And and we know that coming of age is an episode, especially. But we, you know, people can't judge how, how busy you are, what you're doing, just by when they see your name in an original credit on screen, correct? That is correct. I mean, I was doing, uh, that was my job, to rewrite scripts that other people had written. Um, 
I was, when I grew up in the business, we didn't take credit when you did rewrites and you were being paid to do rewrites, you didn't take credit on people's scripts. This is the first, the first time I ever did that was on the script, which was um, where we killed Tasha Yar. Uh, uh, Skin of Evil. Skin of Evil. Mm-hmm. Yes. And because that one took me a month to rewrite, literally. It do, you, you don't, and that is exceedingly unusual. You don't ever take that long to rewrite, but it was a brutal script to, uh, because we were killing off a main character. So that was kind of right. hard, hard to do. And uh, yeah, a, a, lot of, a lot of work. But in the end, very satisfying. Um, because I won't, I won't talk about what it looked like on screen, but uh, the written word was pretty, pretty good. So that well, was it. And, and yes, uh, there was a writer's strike at the end of that season. They mm-hmm. didn't finish it. And I didn't finish, and I left. So that is why the, the next season, when uh, Maurice didn't hire me back, because he had already hired another woman, and basically there was only one woman at a time, woman at a time on staff. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's There's... why I did that one, the one where he cut me off, which, honest to God, I do not remember. I, I don't. I don't remember what the story was about. I don't. Pen Pals was the little uh, was the little alien girl that Data oh. befriended. Oh right. Okay. So can I backtrack though? I want to. Yeah. I want to walk because this is a. You go see. This happens. This happens with actors, but I. I feel like it happens all the time with writers. You start, and it happened on Star Trek, especially early. You start off as the darling because oh, okay. you did something that got their attention. Usually a writer will write a script and everybody loves it. And they say, oh, come on staff, we have a slot open. And then and then we see people who last a half a season or one season and they're not back. And so something, something sours, either they don't pan out in the end or there's a change at the top or somebody gets crossways or what, or people get a better offer and they go somewhere else. But I'm just, I'm just curious. Now we were talking the first time you visited about when the bow breaks, how they love the script. Right. Blame the execution, mainly the the director, uh, Kim Manners, who was not a bad director. It was just the way it worked out. And again, we said went on to work on the X Files for years as a producer and director. And then they hand you the skin of evil, which we all think of as uh, the Tashiar death episode. But that's not that's not how Joseph Stefano pitched it because you say it can. Do you remember? I mean, you're in the you're in the heart building. Why don't you talk to us what it was like to be working then? Because we famously now know about Leonard Majlish, Gene Roddenberry's attorney, interfering with writers, driving everyone crazy, driving people away. But on top of that, we have the drama of the show just launched. And I mean, do you remember when Denise announced she wanted to leave the show? I I guess internally first. I was on, uh, they, they had no room for me upstairs where the other writers were, whom I think I may have met once, swear to God. I was in this huge office downstairs by myself. And honestly, no one ever talked to me. It was, it was so um, isolating. I wasn't, uh, writers were not allowed on the set. So I never talked to the actors. So when you're writing a character, you hope to get to know the person who's playing that character so you can see what their uh, idiosyncrasies are, so you can 
hear the way they talk in person. So you can, um, you know, get to know them and, and, and in, in, uh, you know, intuitively figure out a better way to write them. That was not the case on this show at all. And uh, I had heard that, you know, Denise was unhappy, but I had never really met her. So, um, and it was a big deal to kill off a main character, but she wanted out. So this is what I was working on with, okay, I'm going to say it, with virtually no help whatsoever mm. from any of the main players. None. I was, it was working in a vacuum on a script, and God bless him, he was a terrific writer, Stefano. Mm. And this, he had written, what he had written was a book. There was virtually no dialogue in his first draft. None. So it was uh, it was a very difficult uh, rewrite, very difficult. And then you're killing off a main character too, so you have to be very very careful. Well, and he, he... the script came out short, so I got a call from the set saying, "We're short. We need another scene." I said, "You've got to be kidding me! How could you not know this going in? You time everything." So um, I had like an hour to write another scene, which was the first screen, uh, first scene of the script. I wrote it in an hour while they were waiting for it on set where, um, where she and Worf make a bet. I even remember it because it was so painful. Um, <laughs> she and Worf make a bet about something. Um, and they both said, Afterwards, if we had more scenes like this, I would have stayed. I would have stayed. So, Denise it, says this. Yeah, it's amazing to me that you say you're isolated. I know before Michael Pillar came, and it's such a standard yeah. feature: the writers' room and people. People eventually go off to write their scripts, but there's a lot of collaboration. But you look at the first couple of years of Next Generation, and all it is is everyone. It feels like everyone's sitting in their offices and writing memos and notes back at each other. Yep. But it sounds like you were in a, you were especially uh, estranged. I was very isolated, very isolated. Uh, in a, in the later season, when I came in to pitch for my killer, who asked me to come in, um, it was a very very different experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. let's 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 hold off on that because I, I like I like keeping in this. Okay. So you were on the first. So the heart building has like four floors. It's where right. writers for Star Trek and other and other, you know, independents and things were, too. But it was mainly the Star Trek building. And they had you on the ground floor and everyone was, else was uh, upstairs. across from Jean's office. I was in the office that Mike Keller eventually huge office. I mean, even when I was producing, I never had such a big office, massive office. Uh, it's the only place they had for me, so it was fine. So well, it sounds like it was the what is it the 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 uh, prison cell that was a palatial oh. mansion, or <laughs> they wouldn't let you go to the set. Yeah, no, oh. no. Well, did Stefano pitch coming of age, or, or was that set? He didn't right. intend for that to be the right. death coming vehicle for Tasha. Well, that was skin of, coming of age. Wasn't Stefano? I mean, I mean, not coming of age. Skin yeah. of evil. Yeah. Oh, no, that script was sitting there. That uh, Gene handed it to me and said, "Fix this." Um, you know, we're killing her off. So um, 
But his original story had nothing to do with her dying at the end of it. It was just no, combating she didn't the... die, but there was no I God, I wish I had still had a copy. Maybe I do somewhere. Um there was no dialogue. It was all it was as if he had written a mm. novel, which he was very good at. Um and it was all about this creature on a planet, and this creature was isolated. And um so Actually, you know what? I don't remember if he killed her off in that script. I just It I just, sounded like the news of her wanting out of the show came mid mid course on you working on it. Uh, I wish I could remember okay. exactly okay. how how that came about. But well, I, were you I, happy I with it when it I think they resurrected the script when she wanted to leave the show. So that's that what I mean. Perfect place yeah. to kill her. Yeah, yeah, we need we need a script to kill her off in. Oh, here's yes. the best candidate for it. Yeah, yeah. Also here on first season, we'll always have Paris, which you have a full credit to. Well, uh, well, there's a shared oh. credit. What's the what's the story on that one? <laughs> okay, um, I had finished killing off Tashiar, and mm -hmm. uh, they needed another script. So I remember going into Jean's office, and again, it was a room full of men. And he threw down this whatever idea on the desk and he said, okay, this is your next script. And I looked at it and um, I, I, maybe that was the name of it then, we'll always have Paris. And he said, just, you know, go write the script. And um, I recognized it because my best friend had pitched it to them which they didn't tell me in this meeting. They didn't have to tell me. I knew it. They didn't know she was my best friend. They didn't know that they were handing me another writer's work and saying, go do it. So I said, well, this is Deborah Dean Davis's idea. I remember, you know, she's, she's my friend. So I'd be happy to do it with her. I, you know, I, I wasn't going to take an idea. So apparently this was not uncommon. I don't know. This was my experience with it. They never did it to me, but this was my experience uh, with it. And um, I had to convince her to do it because she was working on a feature at the time. So we ended up doing it together based on her pitch. Right. So it sounds as if you hadn't known who she was that they would have just... Uh... That's what it felt Cut like. Cut around the process. Yeah. 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 Which is, I don't know. It was, it was, yeah, it was shocking to me. Yeah. Oh. Well, did you, how did you, how do you feel about, how did you feel about the way the episode was produced? The final result? Okay. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, it, it, it was, I actually, you know, I haven't seen any of them in a very long time. And it was actually on the other day, and I'm looking, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. That was my reaction to it. I was not happy with the casting again. So mm -hmm. I wasn't happy with the casting of any episode I had done. I thought the casting was pretty poor. I, yeah. I think uh, that was a feature of a lot of the first couple of seasons, the guest casting. Yeah, there there were some that... Casting, uh, really. I yeah. don't know who the casting director was. Never met them. So, um, but I thought that she was uh, problematic in the lead. And I was really, I know this is so small, 
We named the main character, I think, Laura, because the actor who played Jean-Luc Picard spoke very um, British. And mm -hmm. he had very little emotion. He was a wonderful character. He's a fabulous actor. But we wanted to play him to play as if he had been in love and hurt, because that's what it was about. So we named the main character Laura, because Laura is softer. It's a very soft name. So he, it had to soften him. And that was deliberate. They changed the name. To, I think Janelle or something. Janice. 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 That was it. I knew it started with a J, uh, which was just ridiculous because it was a friend of Rick Berman's wife. Uh, and for some reason, that pissed me off more than almost anything that happened while I was on the show. <laughs> it was silly, you know, but sometimes silly things just really throw you for a loop. So there we go. Well, you were the, there was a writer strike. Um, yes, and so why? Why? What, what, what was the final straw about not coming back second season? Did you, did you expect to? Was it mutual? What was the... to. I mean, I, you know, I had written a lot of scripts for them. I had rewritten a lot of scripts for them. And um, they seemed to like me. And then uh, but when I when I heard that he had hired, uh, I think it was. Melinda, Melissa, mm -hmm. uh, Melinda, Melinda. Uh, I went, oh, there it goes. I'm done. And I was right. So um, because of the one woman at a time on staff. Basically, rule, I mean, I, air quote. I, OK, I don't know if it was a rule, but it was how they operated. So, so I was pretty surprised when they um, asked me to do another script. But that was Mike Miller, and he was a really decent guy. Well, they, Third season. Right, right, right. So it sounds like you've almost blanked the memory of Pen Pals out of your mind, but maybe. I have completely. It, it, I've completely forgotten uh, writing it and doing it, and it was not pleasant. Now, maybe maybe I had pitched it, so maybe I, I'm, I'm making this up because I. Or it had been on the pile for a long time so and they resurrected. The pile, so that's why. So they felt obligated. Data befriends a little girl, and it's seemingly against the prime director because her her planet is doomed. Right. But he befriends her anyway, and it's a sweet story. It's a sweet right. story, and, and I yeah. loved writing for him. He was great. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, well I <laughs> I still feel like we barely scratched the surface, and it's almost like there's a redemption of sorts for you in Star Trek coming with a couple of because the people that you worked with originally are all or a lot of them are gone, and yeah. the cast behind the scenes changes so I I can I indulge you one more time and come back and visit us once more and we'll talk about maybe a you know a different experience a happier experience sure thanks Hannah thanks for being with us today and and, and sharing I still and I want to if we can get you back I want to dig more into some of the people that were uh, around at the time your memories of them because that's that's probably more visceral than story details Hey everybody, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Larry Nemechek at LarryNemechek.com. Yeah, that's me. That's where you can also link in for all of our new Trek Files swag and shirts. Our Tee Public shop too. Trek well, everybody.
This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.